I want to thank our sponsors, Athletic Greens, who created AG1, one of the most innovative packets of supplements, including 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. These ingredients support your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. I personally started using Athletic Greens and love the way I feel in the morning after I drink it. And I no longer have energy crashes throughout the day. And the best part is that it's delicious. The founder of Athletic Greens created AG1 because he experienced a ton of gut health and ended up on a complicated and expensive supplement routine to recover. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash yasmine. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash yasmine, Y-A-S-M-E-E-N, to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Thanks for having me, Yasmin. I appreciate that. Happy to be here. Likewise. So uh, Didier, to kick it off, uh, can you tell us, what does it actually mean to create an intentional business? Hmm. Yeah. When I think about an intentional business, I actually think about uh, something I heard a friend of mine say some time ago that actually has inspired me to to build on a concept of there being three models that we get to engage in any any given moment when we're interested in giving our greatest gifts to this world. There, there are three models that we get to engage, get to make clear, and get to put into practice. One is our model of being, right? So who are we being? Who are you, right? Like what what is our 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 attitude and posture and how we're relating to life? Our blessing model is how we give to the world what is it what is it that you actually long to give but a business model as i heard my friend put it is how you receive and so i think an intentional business is one where we're very clear on what it is that we long to give um, what structures we have in place to receive and clarity on who we need to be to live it all out. 
Mm, that's beautiful. So um, I'm actually really interested in that last piece about receiving because I think that um, just anecdotally from what I've seen around me, I think a lot of people have a lot of difficulty when it comes to receiving. So I'd love to get a sense from you um, how you put that into practice. Like how do you coach people to become better receivers? Yeah, I mean, a large part of it is, in my experience, supporting folks to normalize experimentation in their life and being open to feedback. And so, uh, in my experience, every successful business, however, whatever industry we're talking about, um, there is incredible learning happening <laughs> based on what we give out in the world. We put something out, we collect feedback, we iterate, and we repeat. And so one way I think about receiving is supporting folks to normalize experimenting and sharing their gifts with the world. And just how do we break down what it is that you long to do in like small experimental chunks? And how do we collect feedback continually? Um, which is an extraordinary act of trust and faith often for folks to trust actually that we can learn from what we share, that the world is not out to get you necessarily. And what if we relax our own way of being into a trust and remembrance that we're part of a collective body? So any feedback you receive is a reflection of the impact that you're already putting out. So might as well listen to it. Mm, yeah, that's so great. That's that's powerful. Yeah. Uh, and so, um, you know, how do you like work with different entrepreneurs? What's your sort of model to help them grow um, in their business, both professionally and then also personally? Yeah, it usually is a combination of uh, at least three things. One is um, guiding folks in their own journeys of self-discovery and self-illumination. So if we want to, if we want to change something about our lives, we got to get super clear in our current reality. And so um, usually the work begins by getting folks, helping folks get super clear on what their current reality is, meaning their current belief systems, their current paradigms. And when I say paradigm, I mean like unquestioned set of assumptions, our attitudes, you know, how in relationship with people, just getting super clear in all of that, right? And so I describe that as self-discovered truth. I don't tell people who they are, but I create space and offer provocations for people to discover that on their own. The second piece is we get to do some skill building then, right? We get to we get to just fortify our own capacity to to make change and have more effective relationships and to be more effective in our leadership. And so the skill building usually and sometimes involves like introducing different um, models or frames of leadership effectiveness, whether it's, you know, how we um, have effective conversations, how we make decisions, how we think strategically, how we whatever, um, and, and how we collaborate, right? So I don't believe that people lack skill necessarily. So it often it's about um, inviting people to remember the gifts that they already have um, and also creating some space and prompts and challenges for folks to practice and exercise those muscles. Um, so if first, if there's some process of self-illumination, self-discovery, second, we do some skill building, then, then thirdly, it's there's some just conscious experimentation that happens in community. And so um, people, most people that I work with, they suffer from a story of being alone and isolated and they need to do everything alone. People are recovering from old patterns of self-reliance, for example. And often 
my work invites people to um, engage their relationships in a way where they are conducting small experiments with their people, um, collecting feedback, as I mentioned, that they're inviting in the possibility of community and they define what that is for themselves and support, which may involve making requests, you know, which for a lot of people is not something that is, is something that can be a bit challenging sometimes, right? To actually make a request <laughs> of those that you're in relationship with. So um, one way I might wrap up the way that I support a lot of the folks I work with, the entrepreneurs and others is through an ongoing process of self-discovery, skill building, and just community support. So Didi, I want to talk a little bit about an example um, for people who are interested in building that community piece. Because I think, you know, especially now that most people are working remotely and there's a lot of sort of disconnection from physical interactions with other people. Um, what's an example uh, that you've used recently or sometime in the past with uh, someone that you've coached who really wanted to kind of move away from this isolated kind of perspective of self-reliance into more of a, a conscious, connected um, community? What's kind of a, an example of, of, you know, some of the ways that you help them with that muscle? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm seeing it every day in the main coaching community that I, that I'm co-leading, um, called coherence, which, um, where I've seen it in my own, in myself, in my own personal experience and also around me. So, um, in, in 2020, I, um, felt a call as many people did around the world after the murder of George Floyd and a surge in conversations about justice and racial justice in particular. I felt in that moment that now is the time to elevate black leadership. I also felt now is the time to elevate different forms of leadership that we don't often see. And I experimented with a new type of coaching experience um, that was um, a mix of uh, some, some self-leadership discovery work and also some like outward leadership building effectiveness skill building and so three-month experience it's a total experiment um and eventually it ended up growing i ended up um leading this coaching experience in a way that was much more inclusive uh, more multiracial and um throughout the process people would go through it and they would realize for example that they themselves are interested in coaching, let's say, for example. Um, and next thing I know, I'm partnering with people that I used to coach. Um, and so um, right now, the team that I work with is mostly composed of folks that I've coached um, or had some um, like prior kind of experience with from what I offered into the world, some learning experience. And I share that because um, I think one of the things that tells me is um, one of, the, one of the most surprising things I've experienced in how people experience community is by actually um, putting something out into the world and, um, and actually people attract, getting attracted to what it is that you do when your heart is in integrity. You know? so, um, so I shared just a personal example of that, that I now like, experience a sense of community um, around my around the work that I do. Um, and a lot of the folks that I work with now are going on to do the same. They might not be necessarily starting their own coaching business per se, 
Um, but what they'll they'll learn is that if they put on an experiment, a small experiment in their world, um, whether you know there's there are a number of different um, kind of emerging kind of entrepreneurs that I work with, or even established ones who they have some type of healing modality or some business idea they want to put out in the world, whether it's specifically focused on somatic healing or ancestral work or specifically thinking about business development. And, um, and they have mapped the people in their world. They've specifically put out asks and, and made invitations to join um, different small kind of pilot learning experiences. And they continually like do their best to enroll people into what they're doing. And, um, and I think that's, uh, that's a, just a beautiful outpouring of just what happens when we normalize experimentation really. Mm. So that's what I've seen. And I continue to see that, you know, um, often, often everything that I've seen, whatever forms of success people are after, like it usually comes down to experimentation. That's that's really uh, beautiful, and I actually I think that this idea of experimentation um, is something that is scary for so many people. So, how do you coach people out of the sort of fear? Um, you know, a lot of people are really interested in staying in their comfort zones rather than challenging themselves or getting any kind of negative feedback. And so, um, what is the skill set that's required, or or maybe the the mindset that's required in order to be able to create those uh, experimentations. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, one of the things I mentioned is that, you know, if, if we want to manifest something, if we want to create change in the world, we want to lead change, we want to create a business, whatever it is, it'll be supportive to get super clear in our patterns. And one of the things that we can do is to get clear on what specific energies or ideas or stories or beliefs are standing in the way between ourselves and our visions. If we feel resistance in conducting experiment, then usually, in my experience, the things that are standing in the way are not the change that you're, um, that you're considering taking. Because most people, they don't resist change, in my experience. Most people resist loss mm. or the perceived threat of loss. And so the question then becomes, exploration then becomes, the coaching then explores, like, what are you afraid to give up? What are you afraid to lose? Like four common ones that I see is, you know, losing a sense of control or uh, losing a sense of being right. Like maybe you got a risk of vulnerability, you know, and, and not, know some, not know something for a while. You know, as you, <laughs> as you conduct some research or try, try a new project, you want to start a podcast, whatever. Maybe you got a risk feeling good, like transformation, change, like it doesn't feel good often. And so people are, are, might be resistant to an idea of risk, right? Because it won't feel good. Or people like resist the idea of looking good. I'll, I'll lose my sense of reputation or the perception of competence. Like I don't want people to know that I'm imperfect, which is a hilarious idea. <laughs> so, um, one way, I'm not saying it's the only way, but one way I support folks to clear the space between their visions and their current realities so that they might experiment in a way that they're called to is to get clear on what they're afraid to give up. And one of the ways that we get clear on that and move through it is by getting super anchored in what we have to gain, which is a visionary conversation. 
Mm. So the more that we anchor people in their vision, the greater their will to move through their fears of loss. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I mean, I think being pulled by a larger vision is so critical and so important. And I think so many people haven't taken the time and space to actually sit in the desire of of what is the larger vision that we want to be pulled by, um, you know, and many of us live a reactive life instead. And so I think that's so powerful. And also, Didier, I want to talk about um, the sort of innovational muscle that is also required to be a creator. Because I think a lot of times, um, you know, people can maybe create one thing, but then it over time it becomes like copy, paste, repeat. And so I know that you are a person who has so many different creative projects um, and just a few that I've seen. I'm sure that there's actually more that I, I don't even know about yet, but even things like the conversation cards um, that you put together, which I thought were so fantastic. How do you create space for that kind of level of innovation in your own life so that you're not caught in a cycle of creation and then copy paste um, for the foreseeable future? Yeah, no, I, I like that question. And thank you for that um, acknowledgement. Well, um, one thing that's supportive for me is um, not thinking that anything I put out is mine, first of all. So um, I find that I get in a rut or I may copy and paste when, one, I have a sense that, um, like, I must, I, I am the one who has to create something here. And, and the genius will only emerge from me, like DDA, like. And, and I think that's pretty arrogant. And it's also human. <laughs> <laughs> but I find that it's, it's one, like having a posture of openness is something that I do my best at on a day-to-day basis. And so my mornings start open. I reflect. <laughs> I contemplate. Um, I, I document. I do document a bunch. Like when things come, I do my best to get it out right away. And that might be in my journal or might be on a slide or it might be in music. I don't know. But that's just to get it out as soon as I can. Um, and and I review. Like I review often like what comes through. And and then I release. <laughs> it's like that's just, it's, if I were to simplify it, it's like I, I reflect, I review, I refine, I release You know what, what comes through. And... I think it's my job to stay inspired. You know, it's people's job to stay inspired. And um, I think that for me, the most supportive thing throughout all of that is starting in a posture of stillness you know, or silence, you know, or solitude. You know, for some people they need solitude. You know, other people they just need. Just, I can I can work in a coffee shop. I can ideate. I can innovate all day in a coffee shop. Give me the best coffee shop, okay? But maybe maybe you need. Silence, you know, using noise canceling headphones. I don't know, right? Um, so, yeah, whatever is most supportive for your capacity to listen, to listen, to be open, and to, as you, to use your word, yes, mean to receive, um, I think is really critical, you know, really supportive. I mentioned the word coherence earlier, which is one word I used to talk about my coaching work, um, the main coaching program I lead. And one way I talk about coherence is to literally cohere like to listen with life <laughs> as it unfolds um which may sound abstract but um i think it's just one way to talk about stillness and silence and 
solitude. Yeah, those are all so powerful and incredibly important things and practices that I think a lot of people don't create the space for. And and so I actually want to talk about that, like how your spiritual world and how it's aligned with your business world. It seems like they are integrated. And so um, you spoke about your practice of stillness in the morning um, and and really being kind of a, a vessel of a receptivity for inspiration. Uh, but what other practices do you do to get inspired and and what part of your philosophy around business is spiritual? That's an interesting question. Yeah, I don't know that I explicitly, like in my day-to-day life, use those two words distinctly. Hmm. You know, like I'd be curious to hear to you, like what's the difference between spirituality and business? Yeah, well, I, you know, it's interesting. I think that sometimes, um, you know, people who have companies or are entrepreneurs or uh, are working in some kind of corporate capacity sort of um, perceive their their day-to-day as more of a linear kind of uh, time frame. You know, there's a set amount of work to do, there's a set amount of output going on. And I think uh, one thing that I hear from you, which is like this connection to inspiration and the heart in the creative process. And so I think that we can almost always tell what gets created and produced as output when it's created without the heart, without that, I call the spirit Mm -hmm. and the soul, Mm -hmm. um, the embodiment of, of the love that you pour into whatever it is that you're creating. Um, I've certainly been in that, in that space where I've created something without heart and, um, and you know, it's, it's pretty obvious, right. I think for, for audiences. So, um, so that's really what I mean by it. You know, how do you kind of practice this sense of, um, a connection to your, to your heart and your spirit when you are in the, the creative process and how can you tell when you're, when you just don't feel aligned, you know, there's certain, I think a lot of people don't talk about this piece of the creative process in business, which is the periods of feeling a sense of the void or a sense of uh, a lack of inspiration. And how do you kind of move through those times and spaces? Yeah. Yeah. No, there's a lot there. Thank you for that. I, um, so just to be clear and for listeners to know, like I do a lot of work in corporate spaces <laughs> and um, I worked at Deloitte for a few years and and like I was just curious how you, Yasmin, just relate to that distinction you made between spirituality and business. I think it's everyone might relate to that differently, right? So it was just cool to hear you describe it for you. Um, so I, I, it seems to me that one of the things we get to do is to support folks to get clear on another distinction between which is um, our jobs and our our work. Um, and in this moment, right, I'm making this distinction. Like, we know that our jobs are are what pay us, and our work. One way to describe our work is what we're born to do. And um, sometimes those things aren't the same. And that's okay. It's it's common that those things aren't the same. And um, I think part of certainly like my calling is to support folks to um, integrate those things more and more and more so that our sense of what we were born to do, which flows from a sense of where we come from, which flows from a sense of who we are, like there's a 
it's a process of ongoing discovery. Um, when we're when we're clear on these things more and more and more, we get to then be in a more empowered position to design a, a life where we get paid for who we are. <laughs> right. Um, and for some folks, that might sound fantastical. It might sound utopian. It might sound privileged. It is a privilege. It also is destiny. And so... Um, I think one way I would talk about this distinction between spirituality and business is, um, yeah, I mean, if we feel disconnected from our heart, you know, which happens, I, I believe it happens to all of us every single day. Like we, we lose connection with our hearts. That's common. It seems to me most of us, certainly in my own experience, I'm, I get disconnected from my heart more often than I'm consciously connected to it. And so our job like we get the privilege is to continually return to the heart over and over and over again, <laughs> over and over and over again, just as a daily practice. Oh, like there I am again. I'm lost consciousness. I, I feel like I'm just in a rut. And I'm just clocking in, clocking out, whatever. And uh, okay, like what? Just return and and get clear in our vision. And then from there, like then we strategize. So like a lot of a lot of the work that I do with folks also, and I imagine like the conversations you have with folks too, yeah. I mean, like we like strategy is part of the story, right? Like maybe the the gap between our our jobs, like what we get paid for, our work, what we we're born to do, right, is is a combination of both spirituality and strategy. Right? Like we need both. And, and so I would say, like, for anyone who feels like they're asleep at work or anyone who feels like they're out of alignment with what they're here to do, then we get to do some new meaning making on who we are, where we're from, what we're here for, like, what is our calling, like, what all those things, what's our unique gifts, like, all those things. How do we get in our own way? All those things. <laughs> what are the competing commitments that live inside us? All those things. And then what's the new positioning we got to do? What's the strategy? Like we get to bring some pragmatism into the mix too, if we're interested in evolving our lives. So that's how it starts to, I think, respond to that distinction you made right. between spirituality and business. Right. And I love the new meaning making because I think the stories that we tell ourselves about who we are and what's important is our life. And I think hmm. that piece is actually um, something that we all have control over, the stories in our minds about our lives and what we want to pay attention to. So I love that you brought that up. Hmm. Mm, mm, and um, mm. Didier, I want to talk about these beautiful conversation starter cards that you created because I've seen a lot of different cards and I just thought the, the questions that you asked were very innovative, thoughtful, um, and very deep. And I just wanted to understand what was the process for you to come up with some of these uh, conversation starters and, you know... Maybe you can also give us a prompt uh, from from the deck, or maybe something that you've been ruminating about, um, a conversation prompt for all of us to take back to our own communities, circles, and families, and ask each other to deepen our connection. Yeah, beautiful. Um, thank you for that. So the process of making the Coherence card deck involved... Um, well, one, there was a sense I had that 
people don't need my presence to live their greatest life in the world. Like I was just, I'm not, it's not about me. <laughs> and so as I started to build my business and thinking about well, how do I scale this business and I got to get more people in my coaching programs and this and that, I realized, you know, it's actually like, what if it's not about getting more people to come to me or me being in a, sh- in a room with more and more people, but actually like, what if part of my work is to offer provocations, to offer different tools, tools that support people in their own process of self-discovery and self-leadership. And when I say self-leadership, I mean how we lead our own lives. And so um, how can I put something out in the world where someone can just have something in their own world, incorporate into their own world? And it's not about necessarily working with a coach. Um, So that impulse, um, I think, had me thinking about designing different tools. So this card deck was the first tool. Um, and then from there, um, I, um, I actually was invited to participate in a card deck project um, with a friend named Topaz, who runs a beautiful um, organization called the Skin Deep. Um, and they have, for those that aren't familiar, like they have these fantastic conversations that they record between people, live conversations um, that are started by these conversation starters. Um, but I thought, like, what about, what if someone wants to have a conversation with themselves? <laughs> um, and so just inviting in a, um, uh, a level of uh, intimacy and um, depth and um, just space to lead our own lives. Like what questions would I ask? All right, what questions do I want to ask myself? And so I, every question that came out, was just something that I asked myself. <laughs> Every most like I say this often, like everything I share in the world, when when it's a question or a provocation, like it's not, or a, a like a critique, like it's not something. I'm only sharing it because I see it in myself, basically. So um, after I came up with this list of long questions, I had some friends um, offer some feedback, and um, I refined and hit up some friends to help with the design. The friend I reached out to, a great friend named Esther, she said, you draw, like, why don't you just use your own drawings? And I said, that's, that makes sense. You know, so, so the, all the backs of the cards include my drawings, which is fun. Just like a, uh, it feels like a, just in a a heartful expression. And, um, and next thing I knew, you know, they were in the world. Um, if there was a question that I would offer now, hmm. let's see. I have this. I have a, one deck right next to me. I just mean maybe I'll just pick pick one. Yeah, Is that please. Right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, some of these are they're different levels. You know, so <laughs> like level one is um, relatively safe. level four demands a greater level of vulnerability with oneself um you know i'll just and here's a level one i'll just just play safe (laughs) oh no now i'm now i want to see the level four that was it's just a teaser (laughs) yeah 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 you know i gotta leave people wanting more right so (laughs) um so level one is um here's one question it says who and or what is your greatest teacher i really like this question um particularly because of the and or part, like who and or what, (laughs) you know? So um, 
for some of us, it may be, it may seem easy, or maybe it seems challenging to think about a human being, you know, maybe it's that teacher you had in elementary school, or maybe it was, um, you know, for me, like I had, I had a teacher in second grade, um, her name is Mrs. Fitzgerald, you know, and she told me I couldn't join the honors class, even though I had the grades for it and I had the capacity for it, you know, but she, she said I wasn't this, I wasn't equipped for it. And, um, I knew it was racialized and it was very challenging at that time, you know, for me. Um, but in a way that's one of been one of the greatest teachers, right? Cause I learned something about racism. Um, and I learned something about my own racial identity, um, and positioning. Um, and I also learned that, um, it's impossible. It's, 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 an illusion to think that someone else can define you. But the question is who and or what is your greatest teacher? And so I've had lots of experiences that probably have taught me even greater things, you know, one of which is uh, betrayal, you know, or the losses in my life. Like those things have taught me a whole lot. What I shared earlier around people resisting loss, I think is partly informed by my own experiences of it, you know, actual loss, you know, relationships and a sense of stability or a job or whatever. So I invite folks to think about that and take that up. Like who and or what is your greatest teacher? And what's the most impactful lesson you've learned from it or them? Mm, that's so powerful and beautiful. Um, thank you for sharing that story, Didier. It's very moving. And um, Thanks for inviting me and uh, <laughs> receiving it. Yeah. yeah. Level one. <laughs> level one. Yeah. So you can imagine level four. I remember, I think I uh, took those cards out at like a dinner conversation. And it's it's actually so interesting. You can tell a lot about a crowd when you pull out certain types of questions and cards and and sort oh, of, totally. right? Like what's the level of intimacy that they have had with themselves? And if like even the way that people answer some of these questions, if it feels like it's a borrowed narrative versus an authentic, mm -hmm. an authentic one. <laughs> I'm like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, so, and sometimes like, I, you know, the cards, you know, for some folks, like they're serious, you know, they're serious cards, you know? And so <laughs> like questions are serious. And I'm actually an incredibly playful person. Um, and and that is expressing itself in the world in other ways too. Maybe there'll be a deck that expresses that comes out that way. Um, but yeah, sometimes folks are just not in the mood to reflect, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't want to reflect right now. I just want to, can we just have a drink? Like some people, that's for some people, that's their reality and, right. and that's their reality, right? It's all good. Right, right. And where can people find these cards right now? Uh, right now they can find them on my site, which is my full name.com okay. and uh, backslash products, I believe. Okay, great. And we'll leave that link in the show notes. Uh, so Didier, um, can you tell us like what has, looking back on your career with coaching and also the creative process, uh, especially coming out of the pandemic, you know, about human behavior, resiliency, all that. I mean, what has surprised you the most looking back on your coaching, looking back on uh, the Coherence program? Um, what do you think kind of mm. surprised you about human behavior? Hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Also, just thinking, you know, it's 20, 22, 23, like we're in a period where we have some distance from COVID. Yeah, of course, it's still here in many ways. And, um, and one of the things that I've been seeing in my own life, certainly, that seems reflected in shifts that have been happening is, you know, as we see into each other's homes now, more right through zoom or whatever um there's a greater level of transparency that seems to 
be happening and or being called for. And so for many people, like that, it continues to be a, a dance, right? You know what? I'm, my video's off today. No video on today. All right. Like I'm just, I just, I didn't brush my teeth or whatever. Um, and for other people, it's like, no, like, you know, it's the, the most powerful icebreaker, quote unquote, we might do with our team is to actually like give someone a view into like what's actually in that room you're in. And um, sometimes that happens unwillingly, right? And so there's a level of transparency that's happening. And I think I extrapolate that more generally to um, just think about transparency as something that's being demanded more and more, right? With the movement for Black Lives and um, the, the movements for justice and equity around the world within our corporations and organizations, even though... Um, like that hashtag activism is no longer cool, right. even though it's no longer no longer cool to have the black square. Remember that? Right. Um, like it's it's there. There was a period that was a glimpse. It was a momentary rupture for us to acknowledge and be transparent about structural differences in power, for example. And so, like in this instance, like thinking about race, right? We can think about a lot of, across a lot of different identities and, and positioning. So transparency, I think the world is longing for and calling for, and it's becoming in a way more transparent. And I say that at the same time that we know that um, like there's incredible secrecy, you know, just in systemic and structural and governmental levels. But I will say that um, in my own personal life, one way I relate to this is I've been super surprised by what happens when I become transparent about my own life with those that I serve and those I'm in relationship with and those that I'm in community with. I get feedback that people derive a sense of strength from me being transparent about my own life, my own process, my own experience that I say in my, as a coach, like I don't share anything that I don't see in myself. And so I'm learning that the more transparent I am about my reality, um, the greater the conditions are, I think, for people to see themselves um, and to also to access the strength that they have. Um, so that that is a big thing that's surprised me. Mm. So transparency, um, I love that, yeah. Um, and... You know, what about um, some of the people who maybe have been your mentors or books or resources, like things that you're paying attention to, to right now um, that motivate you, that inspire you, that kind of keep you going? Yeah, well, um, one one mentor that had a big impact on my um, falling in love with coaching, I already, I, already, I already liked it, but I fell in love with it. Um, when apprenticing with a, a man named Alexander Grashow, so Alexander Grashow, um, who, um, yeah, was just really instrumental in inviting me to just access the courage, right, that was available for me to coach. Um, so I just I want to acknowledge him. Um, and today, I think a resource that I've been I've been digging into. Some of my friends they tell me that I've like. I'm always engaging like a new modality, like just chill out. Like when are you going to just like settle? Just like, <laughs> but it's just, I have an insatiable mind, right? It's just, uh, just I, I, my mind is voraciously insatiable. I'm just hungry. Um, 
is The Gene Keys by Richard Rudd. Um, and so for those who aren't familiar with that, um, that text has been really inspirational. I haven't studied the I Ching, but um, uh, I love archetypal psychology and I'm constantly, constantly like just getting great pleasure from learning about different models of human being and behavior and transformation that use archetypes, that use archetypal psychology. I just think I've, people, I think people enjoy symbols, you know, it just helps them. Um, Zora Neale Hurston, the American writer, she says that the Negro thinks in hieroglyphics. <laughs> um, that resonates with me personally. But yeah, the Gene Keys, I think, is a great, is just a fantastic tool to support folks in getting clear on their unique gifts and, um, and uh, yeah, some of the ways we might think about how we all have access to the same energies and consciousness, and but we have unique compositions, right? Mm, um, yeah. And so how do we awaken to our unique composition in service of the collective optimal good? Yes. That's one thing that that's alive in me these days. I love that. Yeah. We actually had um, Richard Rudd on the show um, about a year ago. No way. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I'm, I'm very familiar with the Gene Keys. I, I actually um, also spent many years studying human design and have done hundreds of readings myself just kind of for fun, but I've gone really deep into that world. And, um, that's awesome. you know, we actually did like a live kind of conversation about some of the, the, I guess, main numbers in my chart <laughs> in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, awesome. it's, you know, these types of models are, are so interesting to understand the self. Uh, and so I love that you brought up archetypal psychology and the world of symbols. Um, and we also recently had the tarot card creator, Kim Kranz, uh, on the show, mm. uh, who's now become a friend. Um, and she, she, you know, she talked about how when we, when we are looking for answers and when we need inspiration to sort of move out of our um, understanding of what's possible, oftentimes this like symbol really helps our brain make new kind of associations and and create new possibilities. I'm, I'm totally paraphrasing. She probably said it mm-hmm, much more mm-hmm. eloquently, <laughs> but, um, yeah. but I love, I love that. I, and I think that our sort of Western mind is not as tapped into the world of symbol as we should be. Cause I think it can be incredibly transformative for all of us. Yeah, I, I agree hundred percent. And, and to even make it even more plain and in, dare I say even like secular terms or just like just everyday terms. Um, Carolyn Meese, uh, the yes. writer, she talks about symbolic sight you know, and, and symbolic sight, like actually like interpreting life's challenges symbolically. Like we get to do that too, right? Or it may not necessarily be about falling in love with whatever modality, right? But it's, or just trying to m- like force meaning in like that feather you walked across yesterday, but actually just this a challenge happens, right? We experience challenges in our day-to-day, in our leadership, in our relationships. Like what if we were to interpret that symbolically? What if we were to just take a step back, you know, rather than just, as you put it, like immediately be in this reactive posture, mm. but we slow down, just slow down our relationship with life as it unfolds. And, and, invoke our creative interpretive gifts Mm. i love that yeah it's so funny we probably aren't reading the same books um because i i love carolyn mace (laughs) she was my my gateway to this work and to this world and uh, i actually have her 
archetypal cards. <laughs> so, um, yeah, awesome. she's she's the queen of of archetypal kind of philosophy when it comes to living in the world. And she's got this great analogy of of the house, like the floors of a house as like our perspective on life. If we're on the ground floor, we see a certain type of view. If we're on the top floor, we see obviously much more of an expansive view. And so, you know, we could be in the same house, but in different floors within our own lives. And um, I just love that analogy as well. But yeah. you know, thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure, for sure. We all build expansive houses. <laughs> So Didier, what do you want to tell our listeners about their well-being? What's sort of your main takeaways, like the creator of Coherence and the creator of this coaching program? Uh, what's sort of the main call to action? What do you want people to think about, to do after this conversation? Hmm. Well, one, I have some good news, <laughs> um, particularly those of us that um, are tired of feeling alone in the world. And the good news is that you are part of a collective body. That's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> and we get to behold our connections, like whether we know it or not, like we're part of a team, we're part of a squad. And so I just, I'm, I'm eager to do my best to continually invite folks to remember that, to remember the connections in their life, to remember the relationships that they have. Um, and to remember that you're part of a collective body, even and especially during moments of feeling incredibly alone. Um, I also have some good news, which is to say that your dopeness is a fact. <laughs> like, you don't have a say. I, I say this often. Like, you don't have a say in the fact that you are dope. What you do have a say in is how that dopeness is expressed in the world. Mm. And my third piece of good news is that one of the ways that we expect, express that dopeness or can express it is by normalizing experimentation. <laughs> and so I encourage that, I champion that, and invite you to consider what's one small, low-risk experiment you'll do after listening to this conversation that'll have you feel in greater alignment with what you're here for. Oh, amazing today. And... Are there any resources that you, you can uh, point folks to in order to learn more about you, your work, and every, anything else that's kind of uh, on your radar? Yeah, no, thank you. Um, so speaking of experimentation, so I, I host a monthly um, learning experience, community-based learning experience called the Life Alignment Lab. Um, and so I invite you to come check it out. Uh, you can go to my website, um, ddasylvain.com, just sign up for the newsletter and you'll be kept, kept up to speed on when it happens. It's monthly. And I share lots of resources on social media. And so if there's something in here that's inspired you or you want to dig deeper, like check out my Instagram page and let's connect there. And hopefully you'll find some additional resources that will be supportive for you. Amazing. And your Instagram handle is just Didier Sylvain, one word? Yeah, it's one word. And there are two underscores before and after. Okay. All right. Great. And for those who are listening, it's D-I-D-I-E-R-S-Y-L-V-A-I-N. Um, and the Life Alignment Lab, is that in person or is it over Zoom? It's over Zoom. Okay. And we'll start to do, like, there's a vision for it to be in person, regional, global over the next few years. Um, and at the moment, we're connecting on the internet. 
Amazing. Amazing. Great. Thank you so much for your time, Didier. This was such a lovely conversation and I definitely feel very inspired after learning about the way that you perceive the world and how you coach others. So thank you so much for everything that you do. Yeah, same. Thank you, Yasmin. Thanks for having me. I had a blast and really enjoyed the conversation and appreciate you. Thank you, Didier. And for our audience, thanks for joining and for listening. In this episode, we learn about how to align and integrate with your highest self with Didier Sylvain. And you can tune in to Gateways to Awakening, where we host one-on-one conversations with leading experts in wellness, well-being, and spirituality. Thanks again.